0: In January 1971, American blues musician B.B. King released his fourth live album, recorded at Cook County Jail in Chicago, Illinois. The King of the Blues was in the middle of a career renaissance when he stepped into Chicago's Cook County Jail, laying down definitive renditions of his blues standards as well as his crossover hits. B.B. won over the hostile prisoners. And proves why he is the king. Welcome to the 500 Albums Podcast, where we go through the Rolling Stones' top 500 list of the greatest albums of all time, as selected by a panel of musicians, music critics, and journalists, and published by the Rolling Stone magazine in 2003. My name is Urban, and today we're looking at number 499 on the list, which is Live in Cook County Jail by B.B. King. Today's the second episode and it's already going to be different from the previous episode as we're looking at the live album this week. I knew B.B. King from when I did a school project about the evolution of pop music through the 50s until, until now and B.B. King was a big part of that as he was active for a very long time and also has been very influential on other musicians and different genres within popular music in general. So it's really exciting to um, to look at B.B. King in general. It's also interesting, as it is a live album, as I said, but it's also recorded at a jail, at a prison. So that makes it really interesting to look at what effect that had on the recording and to see how that came to be. So before I spoil too much... Let's get into it. Let's first start with the artist, B.B. King. He was born Riley B. King. He was an American blues singer and songwriter, a guitarist, and he's a record producer. He's originally from the state of Mississippi, and his music career started at a very young age where he started singing in a gospel choir at the Eichhorn Baptist Church in Kilmichael, Mississippi. He was attracted to the church because of its music, and the pastor of one of the churches taught King his very first free chords. And King himself said, quote, Church was not only a warm spiritual experience, it was my exciting entertainment. It is where I could sit next to a pretty girl, and mostly it was where the music got all over my body and made me want to jump. End quote. King began volunteering at the church in a way to get close to the instruments. And he also spent those Sundays teaching younger kids at the church. And this is also where he got one of his nicknames, Church Boy. Outside of the church, King also began discovering music. His aunt had a collection of old phonograph records. And this collection was a big inspiration for him. This combined with his cousin, a Memphis-based professional musician, Booker Booker White, really inspired him to get started. And this inspiration led King to start performing his own kind of music. And over the years, King became frustrated with the restriction and the audiences that he encountered in the church. He was not getting paid a lot for his performances, but meanwhile, if he played blues music on the streets, he would get tipped by people coming by and he would get money and alcohol. King was active in making music, but he was drafted in the army in 1943. And after his service, he decided that he wanted to do more with music. So he decided to move to Memphis, Tennessee to pursue his career as a musician, kind of inspired by his old cousin. In Memphis, he started performing at local bars and juke joints, performing his blues music. This was the real start of his professional career, and it lasted for more than 60 years, up until his death at age 89. B.B. King is often noted for his unique playing style. He has his fluid way of bending his strings. He has a very distinct staccato picking style. And his gritty voice is something that speaks out to a lot of people. King is recognized as one of the most important electric guitar players of the 20th century. And he also earned a spot in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he won numerous awards, including some Grammys as well. Besides all these awards, he also got his most notable nickname. And he's often dubbed as the King of the Blues. And King was also regarded as one of the hardest working musicians in the industry. He released over 50 albums and played close to 200 shows every year. Even up to his old age. BB King was inspired by a lot of different genres. Such as gospel, country, blues... And also jazz, of course. Some of his most notable inspirations were his contemporaries, such as blues musicians T-Bone Walker and Lonnie Johnson, but also jazz artists like Charlie Kristen and Django Reinhardt. So before his performance at Cook County Jail, B.B. King had been an active musician for about 15 years. He released about 18 albums and compilations up to that point, as well as three live albums, including the very legendary "Live at the Regal, which was released in 1965. This will also appear later on the podcast, so I won't go too much into that performance. King saw immense success and became one of the most important names in the rhythm and blues music in the early to mid-50s, scoring an array of hits. In the 60s, however, King didn't see as much success. So he hired a new manager, which would help him pursue other types of venues after a new generation that was inspired by King popularized the blues among maybe more traditionally white audiences. And this also marked a slight change in the musical direction for King. He recruited record producer Bill Simzik for his albums Live and Well from 1969, Completely Well also from 1969 and Indianola Mississippi Seeds from 1970. The second album in this list spawned a now legendary rendition of Roy Hawkins' song, The Thrill Is Gone. King was awarded a Grammy, and the popularity of the song revitalized King's career and established him as a blues standard, which in other words means he was a performer and writer of widely recognized, covered and professionally taught songs in the blues industry. So before we jump into the album itself, I'd like to take a look at the context at the time when this album was released and to see what was happening in the world and the genre. The late 60s and early 70s in the United States was a tumultuous time which was fueled with all kinds of political sentiments like the protests against the Vietnam War, there were Cold War scares, and on the other hand there was more political and social equality following the civil rights movement. The Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Fair Housing Act in 1968 meant an end to segregation and a decrease in systematic discrimination and racism. Although the problem was far from solved, the racial divide in music and performances became less apparent. Artists were able to perform in different kinds of venues and play to audiences that up to this point had not been exposed to this kind of music and this also meant that the 60s saw a great mainstream success of genres that were influenced by african-american music such as rock and roll and soul with all kinds of different artists and the mainstream success of this kind of music contributed to the breaking of separation and because of the political climate with the civil rights and anti-war movement also the typical blues music was introduced to other topics An example of this is J.B. Lenoir, who commented on political issues such as racism and the Vietnam War in his music. And besides all these political topics, the late 60s was also an interesting time for music as the recordings of prison concerts became more popular. And this was something that was happening all around the country already, but the recordings were never really released or not paid much attention to. But the groundbreaking At Folsom Prism from 1968 and made by Johnny Cash was one of the groundbreaking records which made it possible for other artists to release albums recorded at those concerts. So now that we know a bit more about the time and the artist's I'd like to look into the album itself. As it's apparent from the title, it was recorded at the Cook County Jail, which was located in Chicago, Illinois. It was recorded on September 10th of 1970, and the performance was organized after the warden of the jail, Winston Moore, approached King as a Chicago nightclub, Mr. Kelly's. And King recalls this as follows, quote, he said to me, it's a first for you at Mr. Kelly's and it's a first for me as a black person here. So why don't we both get together and do another first and get you to play for the inmates? That's how it came about. Quote. Interesting is that two years before his performance, an examination conducted at the Cook County Jail uncovered a corrupt and anarchic system and it described the prison as a jungle and they discharged the original warden and replaced him with this new warden, a psychologist named Winston Moore. A former prisoner disclosed that prior to Winston Moore's appointment, quote, "...any and everything went. Anything from heroin to whiskey was sold and traded in the jail. Homosexual rape, bribery, and murder were the bill of fare, and no one seemed to give a damn." End quote. The corruption within the Cook County Jail... Made some officials doubt Winston Moore's ability to restructure the prison, but he persevered, and on his first day, he confiscated over 200 weapons and a multitude of drugs from the inmates. And succeeding in overturning the prison, B.B. King's concert was imparted to celebrate Moore's achievement in pulling the prison out of this chaos. For King, however, the performance was a lot more than just a celebration or a chase of a popular trend or concept. As B.B. King recalls in preparation of the performance, quote, when we got out there, we found that 70 to 75% of the people in there were black or of the other minority races and very young in their teens or early 20s. The press interviewed a lot of those people and found out that some of them had been there a year almost and still hadn't even come to trial. They were just there arrested and they stayed there couldn't afford bail so the press really blew it up i felt that was good so the people on the outside know what was happening behind the wall end quote local politician and former singer of the impressions jerry butler helped set up the free concert in the jail and king and his backing band were introduced to the location and were giving a tour which gave the band members an uncomfortable feeling the backing band of King consisted of Ron Levi on piano, John Browning on trumpet, Lewis Hubert on tenor saxophone, Rook Walker on alto saxophone, Wilbert Freeman on bass guitar, and Sonny Freeman on drums. The album was recorded by location recorders Aaron Barron, and produced once again by King's previous producer Bill Simzik. The audience itself consisted of about 2,117 inmates, and they were mostly of minority races, and it also included some women. The inmates were ordered to sit down during this performance, but there was some space in the back if they wanted to dance. So if we look at the track list, the recording does not feature any unreleased tracks. But it does, however, give some interesting takes on some of his classics. First of all, the album starts out with the band tuning their instruments. And meanwhile, an official of the Cook County Jail welcomes the sheriff and the Chief Justice of the Criminal Court. Director, our own beloved sheriff Woods. And this is, of course, met with loud booing from the audience. But after the booing stops, the lady continues introducing B.B. King. She calls him the King of the Blues, or as she knows him to be a fine, warm human, being full of humility. Everyone, as the King of the Blues,
1: he's been referred to as
0: the chairman of the board of all the blues He's been called the man. But Hever, whatever we call him, I know him to be After this introduction, King steps forward and he starts an explosive and rushed version of his classic, Every Day I Have the Blues. Which is filled with bombastic horns and also a hasty beat, And the performance exudes a very anxious energy. King later admitted that he was nervous for this performance. The music after this features somewhat slower blues tracks with lyrical themes of loneliness, separation, and relationships. Not uncommon for the blues, but maybe more typical for this kind of performance. And especially during the first half of the set, King really sought out connection with the audience and he spoke them in a way that later was described by biographer David McGee as, quote, a classic bit of bluesman as evangelist or soothsayer, end quote. The album did not spawn any singles, but I'd still like to highlight some of my favorites and some notable moments of the record, which you would normally not see on studio recordings, and maybe in other live performances. As said before, King really sought out a connection with the audience in the first half, and he tried to win them over by involving them in the performance, by talking or even preaching at them. And after performing the first track, King performed his rendition of his song, How Blue Can You Get?, which is originally by Johnny Moore's Free Blazers. And especially during this interlude, King leaned heavily into the outrage of the lyrics, accompanied by the explosive horn section, and the audience really connected with the sentiment. Brand
1: new food, but you said I don't want to a like I bought you a ten dollar dinner, and you said thanks for the snack. I let you live in my pet house. You said it well, was just a shack. Yeah. I guess.
0: this moment in the performance, can be seen as the moment that King really won over the audience. And this continues in the next song, Worry, Worry, Worry. Because in the interlude of this song, he tells a story to the audience, that men and women are God's gift to each other, and he preaches that they should treat each other properly.
1: Ladies, if you got a man, and the man don't do like you think he should,
0: this don't sentiment also rings very true.
1: I say don't you heard it
0: with a lot of the inmates.
1: Man happened to be God's gift to woman. Yeah. So ladies you must know that the man is already grown, so you can't raise him over again.
0: And the interlude kind of turns into so a call that and response.
1: it's fair to just talk to the ladies. I think I should say a few words to the men too. So fellas, I said fellas. You must know too that the ladies, God bless their sweet little souls, ladies happen to be God's gift to man too fellas. Y'all agreed? You better say it because your wife is listening. don't you ladies I say ladies love to hear the men say baby I love you don't you ladies so fellas tell you ladies that you love her she might think you're lying though tell you later that you
0: love her now the set continues with some of King's classics uh, including a medley of the three o'clock blues and Darling You Know I Love You And the author Ulrich Adelt noted that King's playing was reminiscent of his early career. And through this nostalgia of the audience interaction, it kind of supplied an authentic backdrop for the new listeners who are buying the record. And the final track I'd like to talk about this performance is The Thrill Is Gone. I mentioned before that this was a really big hit for King and maybe a turning point in his career. The song was originally performed by Roy Hawkins and Rick Darnell. And King always felt a connection to this song. When he was hosting his radio show in Memphis, he used to play this song a lot. And over the years, King tried recording his own version, but never seemed to get it right. And this was definitely the same when he was recording his 1969 album, Completely Well. King was really not happy with his current recordings, but when his producer... Bill Simczyk called King at 4 a.m. and proposed to add a string section to the song. King thought this was a good idea, but King also later admitted that he would agree to anything at this time of night. But the song was still recorded this way, and even though the polished production and addition of strings was a departure from his earlier sound, it proved to be a good decision, as it introduced the music to a different type of audience who was maybe more interested in that kind of sound. Now, this being said, the version on the live album shows a different take on that. It's a bit more pulled back, raw, and maybe a more classic blues style. But despite this different approach, it is considered by many to be the definitive version of the song. The horn section and the piano of this live performance are more apparent, which in a way kind of replaced the string section, which is on the studio recording. And also in this song, the instrumental bridge is an interesting point where in this case the backing band kind of fades away and gives King the spotlight and he can really shine with his soulful guitar playing and tempo changes. Eventually the band joins back in, building towards a very satisfying ending of the song. So how was this album received when it came out? Well, it was released with great success, spending over 30 weeks on both the Billboard top LPs and the R&B chart. And on the latter, it was the only number one that King had ever scored. Life in Kukani Jail received positive reviews and praise on the release. But if we look at it nowadays, in retrospect, it is often overlooked in favor of Live at the Regal. Now, the commercial success was not the most important part for King. Because as I mentioned before, King and his record label made an effort to get the media involved into this performance. And King recalled later, quote, I didn't talk to a lot of them, but the press did. I invited them to see and talk. They could give a better detailed story about what was going on that I could, End quote. He also remembered that many inmates spent up to a year in prison prior to their trial, and this time would then not be deducted from their sentence. Quote, a TV network did a big story on that some time later, and they changed the system somewhat and made me happy. I felt that we had done something good." Quote. When visiting the Kukani Jail, King became saddened by the underlying racist conditions. ...that created this disproportionate amount of black prisoners... ...and this impacted him so much... ...he continued performing in his prisoners... ...and inviting the press to get more attention to this issue. Besides that, he established the Foundation... ...for the Advancement of Inmate Rehabilitation and Recreation in 1972... ...and this organization offered books and instruments and education to inmates... And the establishment of his organization came out of a conversation that King had with some of the inmates who were longing for some sort of hope or something to do. King was so impacted by his performance here that he went on to record even more albums in different prisons, including the Sing Sing prison and San Quentin in support of this cause. And I can really recommend looking at the first one, Sing Sing Prison. There's some good videos on YouTube, for example, where you can really see the interaction that King has, which is kind of parallel to what we see on this album. In terms of his musical career, he departed with his producer, Bill Simzik, who decided to pursue a different path. Eventually, he came back producing albums for an artist like The Eagles. But due to King's crossover success... He decided to cross over to Europe, and he even recorded an album there in London, collaborating with several British rock and R&B artists who were inspired by blues music. King saw huge success worldwide, touring all over the world, recording multiple albums, and even winning several Grammy Awards. Eventually, he was conducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987 and the following year in 1988 King collaborated with the Irish band U2 and they recorded the immensely successful song When Love Comes to Town which once again introduced him to a whole new generation of listeners and then I'd like to note another collaboration in 2000 and this is when B.B. King and Eric Clapton released the album Riding with the King and Eric Clapton was really inspired by King in his early days So it's interesting to see that they ended up working together on this album. So after the turn of the century, King became more involved in awareness campaigns about diabetes. This is an illness that he had been diagnosed with since 1990. But despite his illness, King kept performing until his farewell tour in 2014. On this tour, King performed his last show at the House of Blues in Chicago, after which he was diagnosed with dehydration and exhaustion, which resulted in the cancellation of the rest of the tour. Sadly, he wasn't able to make up for those dates, however, because on May 14th, 2015, B.B. King passed away in his sleep at the age of 89 due to the complications of his diabetes now king obviously had a very big impact on a lot of different artists but if we look at the album itself it didn't really have that much impact on specific artists it did however continue a trend of performances and live recordings at prisons and it put more attention into the living conditions that the prisoners had there and if we look at actual recordings one interesting one is a live recording also at the cook county jail named Concert Friday the 13th, which was recorded in 1973 by several jazz musicians. And if we look at the artists who in the first place really popularized this trend, Johnny Cash, he continued to record and release some of his prison performances. One of them, Poor Öster Aker, which was recorded in Sweden in 1972. And another one, A Concert Behind Prison Walls, which was recorded in 1974, and then later released in 2002. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks for listening, and please make sure to subscribe and follow the podcast on any platform you like. You can also rate it on some of the platforms. It would really help if you rate it five stars. If you'd like to stay updated, maybe see some snippets, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. At 500 Albums Pod 500 Albums Pod. You can also email me on 500AlbumsPod at gmail.com. You can maybe email your favorite tracks of this album and other questions and suggestions you have. Next week, we'll be looking at another album, number 498, which is Headhunters by Herbie Hancock. So if you want to stay up to date, make sure to listen to that album, and I'll see you then. Thanks. Bye